This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 93. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, so I'm Danny DePiro, and I am the founder of PositivelyPresent.com, which is a site dedicated to helping people live more positive, mindful, and self-loving lives. And I started the site as a way to sort of help myself deal with being more positive and mindful and self-loving, and that's where I share all of my experiences. Okay, so are you open to share some of those experiences which made you interested in these topics? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I started the site nine years ago, and it was because I was in a, a pretty low point in my life. I wasn't very happy with my career or my relationships, and I just wasn't feeling good about any aspect of my life, and I started to realize that it really wasn't so much about external things as it was about internally, um, because I tried changing jobs, I tried changing relationships, I tried all these external things to have a more positive life, and it wasn't really working because I internally was the same. And so that's when I started exploring the topics of personal development and sort of how to make my life better, and determined that for me, what really needed to change was that I needed to be more positive and try to find the good no matter what the situation. And I also needed to be more present because I found that I was spending a lot of time worrying about the past or stress what might happen in the future, which was really not helping me live my best life. So it was really just sort of a personal low that brought me to sort of exploring. And since I'd always been a writer, I was like, you know what, why don't I sort of ex share my experiences? Because a lot of what I found online was people who were already really good at being optimistic and really good at, you know, staying present or mindful. They, you know, had been doing meditation for years or, you know, things like that. And I was not one of those people. So I thought, you know what, I bet I'm not the only person out there that's just sort of trying. And I think people could really relate to what I'm going through and, you know, sort of learn with me. So that's kind of how it all started. Was the self-documentation aspect also a way to remain true to the path you had set out for yourself? Did you find that it the, the documentation helped as a happiness intervention, so to speak, in itself? Oh, yes, I definitely did. I mean, it's definitely changed my life in terms of, you know, always having in the back of my mind, like, what would I tell my readers? And, you know, you know, see this situation, whether it's a good situation or a bad one from sort of a positively present lens. So it's kind of provided a way um, for me to be more accountable and to sort of keep that in the forefront of my mind. I mean, that's not to say that I'm not you know, negative at times or worrying about the future or, you know, I'm still um, a work in progress as many of us are, but it definitely helps me in terms of um, making it a priority, not only in my work and what I do, but also in real life. Okay, so how did you start? Because that's often the hardest thing when people feel stuck and they're not, often it, if we have problems with positivity, we also don't have a lot of energy. So how did you get started? 
Well, I've always been a writer. So for me, creativity is the best outlet for me to do anything, whether it's positive or negative, not just writing anymore. It's much more positive content creation, I guess, of all sorts. So I think for wherever you are, it's really important to figure out what resonates with you. Um, You know, for some people, it might be journaling, some people, it might be, you know, doing some sort of physical activity. Um, I think anything that's going to motivate you personally, is going to be a way to sort of channel positivity into your life. And I think one of the things people struggle with a lot is they think, oh, I want to be positive or I want to be happier. And then they go online and try to find some sort of solution and they'll see what other people did and they'll say, oh, well, I guess I need to do that. I need to, you know, have a gratitude journal or I need to, you know, incorporate, you know, meditation into my daily practice. But that's not always the case. I think it's really important to think about what you're already doing that really makes you feel good. And it could be anything. I mean, it could be playing with your children or your pets or, you know, going out to lunch with a friend or whatever, you know, makes you feel really good and positive. I think it's important to find that and try to incorporate it more into your life and if at all possible into your career, which is what I've done. Yeah, that's a good point. That's by implementing it in your career, you obviously manage to spend more time thinking and focusing on these things, which makes it probably a little bit easier than someone who is in a demanding job. So do you have thoughts for people who can't make it a career but still like have to start out? Um, They've maybe tried like three or four things but are still not sure. What are the most valuable concepts that you found? Now I know that you said it's about the person but still you emphasize a couple of concepts on your websites. Why those? You know as I said it, it really is an individual thing but I think for the most part you know being aware of the people in your life is really important regardless of who you are, where you are. Um, and, you know, trying to spend more time or engage more with people who are positive influences and less time with those who are negative. And I, I think the best way to figure that out, I found, is to really pay attention to how you feel after you spend time with somebody. After I spend time with them, or I'll feel drained and tired and be like, oh, like that was an exhausting experience. And that's sort of where I can tell personally which people are are the best for me and the best use of my time and energy. So I think in terms of, you know, if you can't change your career and you can't change certain aspects of your life, there are elements like who you spend time with that you can control. And I also feel like um, activities outside of work, um, so if you aren't able to, at this point in your life, have your dream job or incorporate, you know, the most positive elements into your career, I think you still have some amount of free time and it might not be a lot, you know, depending on your job and your your situation in life, but whatever you have, make sure you carve out time to do the things you love, you know, if it's reading or yoga or, you know, anything, anything that you love at all, um, you know, make sure you set aside time, even if you have to put it on your calendar to do that as often as possible. And for some people, it might be, you know, once a week, um, if you're really busy, but that can have a really big and positive effect on your mood. Um, and that, you know, the way you feel in your downtime will trickle over into, you know, your work life as well. Okay, so um, can you tell me a story or some some moment where you realized that your relationship towards yourself had changed? 
not long after I started the blog, it, it came became clear, and it, this had al- already been clear previous to starting the blog, but it became more clear that for me, drinking wasn't a positive thing. Like I might have fun in the moment, but it ultimately led me to make bad decisions and to feel bad about myself. It wasn't a very self-loving thing to do. Um, and so quitting that and taking that element out of my life, which was very challenging um, and, you know, is an ongoing process, was a big shift that I decided to make to make my life more positive. Um, And that, you know, had sort of ripple effects where, you know, some of the people that our relationships were really built on going out and partying and drinking together. I mean, those people became less a part of my life um, and in some cases are not a part of my life at all anymore. So um, there are things that you have to do if you want to live a positive life that aren't going to be easy. You know, it's not just about like do the positive thing that feels good for you right now or, you know, do self-care, like make sure you take luxurious bubble baths to make yourself good. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to do hard things um, that aren't going to be positive or most fun at first, but that are ultimately better for you. And so that was one thing in particular that has changed greatly as a result of trying to focus on making my life as good as it could possibly be. Okay, if you don't mind, I'd like to stay with the wine just for for, for a short uh, minute, because that's something I've noticed uh, on Facebook and stuff like that. It seems like wine as a way of self-care, it's almost glorified, I find, at least in the memes that I see. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering, because that's more of a cultural thing. Now, of course, people like to drink over here as well, but there's not this notion of like, oh, if you need to do some self-care pour a glass of wine. Um, Can you maybe speak a little bit to that? Because that might be something that's happening right now with our listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a huge trend. Um, You know, being a wine mom, um, and you know, mom needs to have her wine, especially I mean, it's, it's kind of for everybody, but there's definitely I've noticed a particular emphasis on parents needing their wine because they're stressed or tired or whatever. And I think that's not a good message at all. I mean, regardless of whether you have issues with um, substance um, misuse or not, um, I still don't think that any sort of substance as a medication or as a way to escape is going to be helpful. I think you need to learn how to cope in more positive and non-mind-altering ways. Um, And that's been, you know, very uh, challenging for me in terms of giving up drinking because for me, drinking was very much an escape when things were difficult or hard. It was like, oh, well, I'll get drunk and then I won't think about it. Now, for me, that often was I'll get drunk and make more mistakes that I'll then feel bad about and then have to drink more to feel better. And it was kind of a terrible, vicious cycle. And I know that's not the case for everyone, but I think whether we're talking about wine or we're talking about food or we're talking about, you know, shopping or anything, anytime you're consuming something, um, whether it's physically consuming it or, you know, buying it um, or even what you watch and look at on online, um, whatever you're consuming, I think it's really important to be conscious of why you're doing it. Like, are you doing it because it's interesting and it's helping you live a better life and it's, um, you know, bringing out the best in you or are you doing it as a way to sort of medicate and avoid what you're feeling because as many people probably know and I have had to learn the things that you try to push away whether it's stress or sadness or 
um, you know, negativity, it's going to come back. And it, the more you try to avoid these things, the, the worse it gets. So it's much better to deal with your emotions in a healthy way. If you are casually drinking, and I guess it's, uh, you know, not any way being used as sort of a medication or an avoidance tactic, I think, you know, that's fine. You do you. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody who wants to drink, but I think people, it's really important just to be asking yourself always why. Why am I doing this? Is it because it's making my life better or am I doing it to avoid feeling something? Um, because if you're doing it to avoid feeling something, that feeling is going to come back. Um, you know, it's sort of a quick fix to, you know, drink to de-stress. It's not, you know, if you're that stressed all the time, you need to sort of evaluate your life and look at what's going on. Oh, let me just deal with this quickly by having a glass of wine. Right. So how do we deal with difficult emotions if we're not used to doing that? Well, I think um, the first thing to realize that I've I've discovered is that it's okay to feel bad. Fear or, um, you know, excitement, you feel it, but it's temporary. It's not like a lasting state of being. Um, and I think, you know, obviously we, we all want to be happy. We want to feel content and feel at peace and, you know, enjoy our lives. But I think the first step is realizing that you're going to feel bad sometimes. That's just life. Like there's nobody in the world who doesn't have bad feelings sometimes. But I think instead of trying to avoid them, I think it's a good idea to sort of sit with them and, and think about them and say, why do I feel bad? And, and also try to get to the root of it because sometimes, you know, let's say you're at home and your child does something that's really annoying you and you're like, oh, that's so annoying. Why is that kid doing that? Like a lot of times it might not necessarily be about that specific thing that your child just did. It's actually that you're very stressed out at work and that you're overwhelmed because maybe you're also taking care of your aging parents or I don't know, this is just a imaginary scenario. But, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of things going on. And if you lash out, you know, and get angry because of something that someone else did without really thinking, what is that anger coming from and where is that stress coming from and what can I do to fix it? You know, maybe I need to um, take more off my plate at work or maybe I need to ask somebody else to help me um, with something. You know, I think trying to find solutions is really important. And obviously there are going to be things that you can't find a solution to. Let's say, you know, somebody you love died. Like there's no solution. Like you're not, you can't fix that. Um, but I think you can sit with your your feelings and and sort of, let yourself be upset for a set period of time. And then if you feel like, you know what, I've been deeply upset for months or whatever you feel personally isn't, you know, maybe a great amount of time. You know, I found that seeking professional help and learning tactics that work specifically for you through a professional who's trained to help people who are going through difficult things is incredibly helpful and such a better way of dealing with things long term and learning how to deal with future situations than trying to self-medicate or um, deal with things in unhealthy ways. Right. So you mentioned time. So if we are sad for longer than we expected, what are other reasons or indicators? Because I can imagine that people struggle and it happens slowly. Usually these things don't happen um as sudden with a lot of happiness or, you know, well-being things. Of course, death is very sudden, but 
a lot of times the unhappiness or dissatisfaction creeps up on us and then it can be hard to kind of make the call when do I seek a professional when do I try to do it by myself what are your thoughts there with the right therapist um, or psychologist you can do so much and it's so great to have that objective person in your life who's not you know a friend or family member or whatever but I know that's not always the case and we're not all going to do that so I think when you've noticed major changes in your life, like, you know, let's say you're sleeping a lot more, you're eating a lot more, or you're eating a lot less, you don't want to do things that you used to really enjoy. Like, let's say you love drawing, and you haven't drawn in, you know, weeks, which is usual for you. Um, You know, obviously, this would depend on what your norm is. But, you know, if you just generally don't feel good, um, you know, that's when you should seek help and I think that you should always err on the side of caution like if you're like I don't know if I need help you probably need some sort of help and if you go see a professional um and they're like you're totally fine which (laughs) is unlike I don't know if anybody is like totally fine but um then you'd know and you'd be like all right well here's some tips that the therapist gave me to deal with this on my own whatever but um and another point Related to that is I feel like if you go to see a professional and you feel like that didn't do anything or that was a waste of time or a waste of money, then that means you're you're not with the right person because I personally have been in therapy for years and years and years and so many times I was like, this is pointless. I'm just spending money. I go there. I don't do anything. Like Nothing happens. And it wasn't until I found the right person, I believe maybe the right time in my life that I was really ready to make changes and really to hearing what somebody objectively had to say and also being open to being honest with them because I I can remember going to therapists in the past and, you know, them asking me things about my drinking habits and me being like, oh, I don't really drink that much every once in a while. And it wasn't until I was very open about how much I drank and when I drank um, and how I felt when I was drinking that I was able to, you know, have a therapist that was like, you have a serious problem and we need to address it. Part of it is also finding the right match for you. And I would, you know, highly recommend to people don't give up. Like if you go to somebody and you feel like it's not working or you feel like you're wasting your time, then find somebody else because um, therapy only works if it's, you know, the right person and the right time in your life. And if you're just going and sitting there and don't feel like you're making personal progress, then you're not with the right therapist. Yeah, we had in our, um, in our studies, our um, lecturers told us, I, I don't remember the study, the specific study, but basically, it was like 60% of the success uh, came down to the relationship between the professional and the client. So um, it didn't really matter that much what specifically they did. The important thing was that the client really, really trusted their their professional so that made all Definitely. the difference and I feel like the therapist I personally went to um what helped me and this might not be for everybody is that I was given a lot of like actionable things to do like go write a letter about this or do you know this exercise or here's this worksheet you know things like that that I was like okay I feel like I'm doing something um and kind of like almost had like homework um each week and that personally for me worked because I was taking some of the stuff from the therapy session and putting it into my real life and thinking about it outside of it. Um, And that's another thing. I mean, therapy and, and any sort of personal 
development is work. I mean, you can't expect to go sit in a room for an hour with somebody um, and then be like, all right, well, things are going to be good. You have to take what you've learned and apply it to your life and keep, you know, exploring. So it really does have a lot to do with you as well as the therapist and, and, you know, being really willing to dedicate the time and energy it takes to make your life better. And I know sometimes that can be hard for people, especially people who are really busy. Um, You think, well, I don't have time for therapy or I don't have time to, you know, try any of these like self-help tactics. Like I don't have time for meditation or yoga or any of that or to read this book. But I honestly like can't say enough, like make the time, like cut out something else that, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be forever, but I think your personal growth and personal health really does impact every aspect of your life. So, you know, if you feel like, oh, I don't have time for this, don't think about it so much in terms of you, you know, think it's going to make your career better. It's going to make your relationships better. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like someone who's on a bike Uh, you know, trotting around the highway being like, I don't have time uh, to use a car. Like, that's how it sounds to me when people right. say that. Exactly. It's like, exactly. you're, you're... you can, your life would be so much better. I mean, in that example, maybe they don't have the funds to get a car or something. But if you were given the opportunity to, here, you can ride this bike, or here's a car you can have, you just have to like, take care of the maintenance of it, which isn't going to be easy. But you can, you know, you then will have this car all the time. You definitely should do the car. It's going to be faster. It's going to be better. Um, you can go further. Like it's just that's that's a good example. Right. So I wanted to zoom in on self love a little bit. Now there's this element of self care. Uh, that people take very seriously. And I think that's also thanks to good marketing from companies like L'Oreal and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But but what other aspects are there to self-care, uh, to self-love than self-care? Yeah, I think the self-care part is very much like the things you do, like, you know, taking time for yourself or, um, you know, purchasing food that is healthy and um, spending time with friends, like different things. That's the care aspect. The love aspect is the internal aspect. And that's where it really comes to, first of all, you have to really know yourself. And I think that's a step that gets very much left out when people talk about, oh, love yourself. Well, who are you is what I want to say first, like figure out who you are. And I'm talking like, what is the essence of you um, and what's not, you know, what are some things that you don't believe in that you're, that aren't for you that, you know, you've tried and you're like, I, I'm not into that. You know, that's not part of who I identify with um, or, or as at this point in my life. And I also want to, you know, side note, make sure that you keep in mind that, that yourself is flexible, like things that you might not ever consider part of your life could be someday and you know vice versa like for me with the drinking for example like if somebody had told me um you know almost seven years ago that I would have been sober for seven years I would say that's impossible like that's not who I am like I define myself as somebody who drinks who somebody who likes to drink a lot um that was part of my identity so and probably should shift um as you change and grow and develop as a person but I think the first step in self is getting that self-awareness down like who are you and who you want to be who have you been and then once you get to that point we kind of move into self-acceptance and sort of understanding that you're flawed we all are um, and there are things you might not about yourself um, you know 
or at least not like about yourself. I'd like it to be that we love everything about ourselves and we don't always like things. Kind of, I like to sort of think about it how you might feel about like your best friend or uh, if you have a child, your child. Like no matter what, you love that person. Um, That person is something that, you know, is part of your life, you love, you care about, you know, but there are things you probably don't like about them. Like, (laughs) you know, there's certain things that might drive you crazy or aspects that you're like, oh, I wish they weren't like that or I wish they hadn't said that or done. Um, And that's how I feel we really need to start thinking about ourselves Um, as somebody that, you know, we're not perfect, but, you know, there are things that we can change or we can work on or we want to change, but we're not changing them. You know, you can say to yourself, you know what, I wish I was, I'll just use an example here that kind of resonates with me. I wish I was a more patient person, but I'm not really working that hard on being patient at this moment. That doesn't mean I'm not going to, um, but it's sort of an acceptance of, I know this is kind of something I'm not great at, something I I really want to change in the future. I might not be doing it right this second, um, but I'm aware of it. And that doesn't mean I don't love myself as a whole, just because I don't like this particular aspect of myself. And um, I think people get very caught up when it comes to self-love and in thinking uh, in very, I guess, tangible terms, whereas like, it's like, buy this product, and it's like a great way to show yourself self-love, or, you know, make sure that you have time to, you know, have your tea every morning. Um, It's really not about those can help. And I'm, I'm all for, you know, doing things that make you feel good. But self-love is truly about awareness and acceptance, which is a very much internal thing and is not dictated by what you, you know, are doing on the outside. Is that, is that it? So it's self, self-care and self-acceptance. Is there no like kindness part like that goes beyond that or loving part? Like um, in a relationship with, in a romantic relationship, right? There, you can, um, you can take care of it and then you can accept it. But then there are also maybe things like romantic gestures or something. So so do you think there is some kind of equivalent of that in, in self-love? I mean, I think it, the most important thing when it comes to that is how you think and how think about yourself and how you talk about yourself, both to yourself and to other people. Um, I think when it comes to self-love and self-care, getting into... I guess like treating yourself, which I think is a big trend. It's like, oh, go buy that new thing. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Like, deserve a spa day. Like, you know, it might be expensive, but spend the money because it's self-love. I think all those things are fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing them. But I think thinking of those things, I guess um, what I'm trying to get at is spending money um, and treating yourself in that way isn't really self-love. I think that's part of the self-care aspect, which can be a self-loving thing. But I think more importantly is really what's going on with the words you're using and being kind to yourself in that way. Um, so for example, you know, how I said, treating yourself like you would a friend or a child, like you might not like everything, but you love them. Like, I think we really need to think about how we're doing that in terms of the words we're using with ourselves. Um, because we tend to, um, be really negative internally or put ourselves down and, Oh, like I look gross or like, Oh, I can't believe I didn't go to the gym. Like I'm so terrible that like I should have done that. And, you know, putting ourselves down, I think we do that so much more internally than we do to our friends um, or loved ones. And I think 
one of the best things we can do is try to think about talking to ourselves and thinking about ourselves as we would a friend. Like you would never or probably not, hopefully, say something, some of the things you say about yourself to a friend. Um, Because that's just, first of all, we tend to see uh, our friends not as just separate aspects of themselves, like, you know, the way they look or, um, you know, the size of their bodies, whereas we tend to, um, when it comes to ourselves, we don't think of ourselves as a whole person that we love. We think of like, oh, our body is this way. And like, we judge it like that. And oftentimes we don't even think that much about all of our other amazing talents and skills and, you know, just thoughts and ideas and all that goes into making us a person. Um, so I think when it comes to the kindness stuff, I think, it really should be stuff that's not tangible. Um, That should be the basis. And if you want to do other things for yourself, you know, spa days or treat yourself, you know, go ahead, but don't, don't substitute that for real, true self-love and kindness, if that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. And that's what I was trying to get at. I don't think I express myself properly there. I was kind of referring to the softness aspect, you know, the tenderness that we have in romantic relationships, because I agree 100% with you and annoys the heck out of me when people are like, <laughs> oh, I can just buy this thing. And then I prove that I love myself. It's like, no. And if, you know, if you would do that in your own, in your other relationship with another person, that would also show that it's shit. I'm sorry. If that's the only affection and kindness you show to that person. That's not a great relationship. That's exactly. terrible. Yeah. Um, and same goes for yourself. And I also think people can use it as an excuse. Like I'm going to buy this, you know, $500 handbag because I'm treating myself like I had a hard day. And that's might for a very short period of time make you feel good. You'll be like, yes, I got this thing that's super nice and fancy. But that's going to last for literally probably like 10 minutes. And then you're going to feel bad again or stressed or whatever, you know, whatever your reason behind that was. Um, And that's the same thing going back to the alcohol thing. Um, You know, anything that's like a quick fix is going to go away. So it's like you have to, it has to be kind of an ongoing thing and and a practice, Um, you know, something you do as much as you can, um, you know, rather than like a one-off, like treat yourself. Like you shouldn't be like, loving yourself today because you're having a hard day you should be loving yourself all the time yeah absolutely i agree and i mean i i'm I'm glad that you kind of um nailed that in terms of the the distinction between short-term fixes and long-term and what i would like to emphasize and i'm not basically talking to you i'm talking to the listeners because i'm sure you know this um (laughs) is that that once you kind of um pick these skills up um yes you invest quite a, a bit at the beginning but the thing is that these things are also kind of self-perpetuating. So after you change your programming, like it's not possible for me to be hateful to myself anymore. I can I can maybe hate something that I said or hate something that I did, but I cannot be help, hateful to myself anymore. It's not possible for me. Right, right, exactly. I think that that's, you know, and you also bring up another good point about being, you know, distinguishing yourself as a whole versus like something you've done or said. There's situational things and then there's the whole part. But I think the more you practice these things and, you know, I've learned this through 
working on self-love and working on positivity, the more you do it, even at first it starts to, it might even feel like cheesy. Like, oh, like I'm, I'm trying really hard to love myself. And you're like, oh, I'm not used to this. It's like awkward or, you know, and that's how I was with positivity. It's like, try to find the good in every situation. Or, you know, when I'd find myself being really negative and, you know, down on the situation, like, I hate this. I hate my job. I'm, you know, miserable. And then I'd be like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be positive. And so then I would be like, oh, okay. All right. Let me try to figure out the positive. And at first it wasn't easy at all. I was And the more I have people around me too, which is another great thing is like having people uh, that help you be accountable. Um, And this, you know, is going to depend on your situation um, and who is in your life. But I mean, for me, people still will be like, you're not being very positively present because I'll say something negative and and, you know, they're joking, but it's also like true. It's also like I've created this life that I want to be living and want to be sharing with other people. And when I kind of stray off the path, you know, people are like, Ah, uh, 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 like that's not who you want to be, and it really actually helps me. Um, and I have that internally as well going on because I know I'm like, well, this isn't what I would tell my readers, or this isn't how I would advise handling this situation. So, you you definitely get that internally. But if you can have people, you know, around you who know that you're working on either, you know, however you want to put it, being more positive, self loving, bettering your life, whatever, however you want to say it, like it can be really helpful to other people. But it's also important to note that people might not be helpful either. Um, some people don't really want to deal with that stuff themselves, or they might even try to like put you down for doing it. So just be aware of that as well. Yeah. And the other thing is that even if, you know, the accountability is a good thing, there are, there are times when that's not, um, that, that can add to your pressure. I think I've, I find that sometimes that when I'm down and I'm kind of trying to to be a self-compassionate and then somebody's like well but you study positive psychology like I just mm-hmm. want to whack them yes exactly. <laughs> and, and I think and that's that also be, important yeah you know there can definitely be the downside to that um and ultimately what's going on within you and your own accountability is the most important um because whether it's people doing things like that or people might you know, not be available or not be supportive at the time you need them. Like you can't really rely on other people. Um, And that's one of the things I've learned um, so much over the past, you know, nine years of writing Positively Present and working on self-love is that, you know, once you can self-sustain yourself in terms of making the best of a situation and trying to um, do the best you can with what you have, like you don't need other people to validate you. You don't need them to, um, you know, encourage you. You can do all this stuff yourself. Now, that's not to say that it's not valuable because I do think we we get a lot from other people and having positive, encouraging, supportive people in our lives. And I, I would not be where I am today without the people in my life. But I also feel like there's something to be said about being able to do these things on your own, whether it's motivating yourself, loving yourself, you know, um, seeking out the good in a situation, knowing how to do that for yourself and by yourself is crucial. And once you can do that, I think it also changes the dynamic of your relationships with other people because you're not sort of expecting or seeking things from them. I mean, it's sometimes a nice bonus, you know, when people say, oh, you're doing a great job or keep it up, but you don't need that. And I think that really does change things. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's like one of the coolest drugs that I've found that have no bad side effects. The fact that, that yes, it's wonderful to have people tell you that you're doing good work, but you know what, I knew that this was, for example, a good project, even when I just had 17 listeners. 
Right, right, exactly. I think that, you know, you really have to be doing things um, for internal, you know, fulfillment rather than external. And that's, you know, I think one of the reasons why, you know, personally, Positively Present has been successful is because it, it was very much about like, I'm trying to better my life and I'm trying to help myself and help other people at the same time. I'm not trying to get, you know, a certain number of readers or a certain, like it started out as a hobby. Um, and I think that, you know, is something to consider if somebody's thinking about, you know, starting something like what I do. It's like, are you doing it because you really love it and you're passionate about it and you care about it? Um, because that's what's going to ultimately lead to true fulfillment. Even if, you know, nobody reads your stuff or nobody does anything um, with the work you've done, like you don't even care because you just like doing it. Um, and that could be anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be writing or creating things, but um, it, it's really to um, do that not only with your career, but now that I'm thinking about it, like, with like your relationships as well, like loving people and caring about people like that should be because it feels so good and you love doing it. And it's, a you know, a fulfilling thing for you rather than um, I think sometimes people are doing it because they want to be loved in return or they want, you know, they encourage other people because they're like, well, you better encourage me too. like that sort of thing is where we really get away from self-love. Um, when it comes to other people, I think it really needs to be about anything you're doing should be because you really want to and because it feels good, not because you're expecting something in return. And once you sort of get that expectation out of the equation, whether it's freedom, like you're just doing things because it's what you want to do and it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything that you feel we haven't covered yet in the realm of self-love and self-care? No, I feel like we've really touched on a lot of good points. I mean, I think the main thing is to really focus on the internal stuff and not try to look for some sort of quick fix um, or some sort of like one size fits all solution. Like I write about self-love. There are plenty of other people that do too. There are plenty of books on it, but I feel like you really have to sort of take things and see what works for you and not just assume, oh, like this is the most popular self-love book. Well, that must be the answer because I feel like self-love is so personal and, um, it really has to be something that works for you. Um, and so I recommend trying different things, you know, trying um, different self-care acts and or internal techniques that you might learn from these other people, but also be really aware of if you're actually getting something out of them. Um, because I think a lot of people, whether it's in the self-love space or just self-help in general, they're like, oh, well, I read that there's a study that this is good or this is not good or that, you know, and so they're like, well, I guess I'll do that. And it's like, okay, is it really good for you? Like you really have to be uh, aware. And I guess that gets back to the point of like really focusing on self-awareness and paying attention to how you feel, whether it's, you know, around certain people, during your job, during a hobby, when you're alone, like what, what are your feelings and how can you sort of push your life in a direction where you're feeling more of the positive things and less of the negative and knowing that that will, you're never going to be perfect in terms of like everything in your life is positive. Um, and I think that would actually be probably terrible if it was, um, but just, you know, that awareness is really where it starts because you can't make changes unless you know what's going on and where you want it to go in the future. Right. So you talked about the website, um, positivelypresent.com. Uh, where else can people find you or is that the main point? 
That's the best place to find me. I mean, I love um, social media, so I'm on Instagram and um, Pinterest. A- anything really visual is right up my alley, but all of the links to all my social media pages are on my website. So it's always good to just go to the website and then you can get any of the social media links that you might want. Yeah, and I haven't gone to your Instagram because I don't understand Instagram <laughs> one bit, but I am. I can assure everybody who's listening um, – Danny's also a designer and it's really it really shows on her website. Um, so you know go check out her Instagram if you're on it yourself because I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with happy yogurt. <laughs>